Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hey, it's Doug Gottlieb. Welcome in to this week's version of All Ball. All basketball, all the time. And uh, let's get you ready for the NCAA tournament. But before we do so... Before we do so, let's talk a little bit, just a little bit, about some of the other issues in the sport. Most notably, a couple of the firings. I'm not one of these guys that's going to do the fake outrage over every coach that is fired. Uh, we've kind of discussed this a little bit in the past. I mean, Tim Miles has just such a great balanced way about him where he's just like, hey, look, you know, I, did, I want to keep the job. Yeah, but if I don't, I'm a millionaire and I'll have to go back and find another job. Um, so... There is a, and that doesn't mean I, I want him to be fired. I mean, between Jim Molinari, who played for my dad, uh, and Mike Lewis, who's a close personal friend of mine, um, I I would just sit there and tell you, hey, I think those are really good guys, and they won 13 games in the Big Ten last year when there's only 18 games. Obviously, this year was much more of a struggle. But regardless of my relationships with any any one of these different coaches, I would I would point this out there are different jobs and different some of the firings make sense they do it doesn't make it cool i don't doesn't mean i'm okay with it like oh you like to see people get fired like no that ain't it on the other hand i just there's a reality to the fact that it's a job and for in some people you know if they if their boss doesn't think they've done a good job or in all candor they might not be their boss's guy and so that's that's another reason that they um that they lose their job. So the idea that every coaching firing is wrong is in fact wrong. It just is. On the other hand, the idea that every coaching firing is right, you know, also, you know, there's got to be a reason. And sometimes the reasons are bizarre. I'll just start with this. And this is really, really important. 
Um, what you take over, who you work for. You know, I have lots of friends, and many of you guys are downloading the show, and you're still kind of looking for your first ever head coaching job. I would include myself in that mix, although I'm not. Ne- I wouldn't necessarily say I'm actively uh, actively looking, right? Um, what I would tell you is those people. You just take a lot of times you you like to take a job, right? Just take a job because you don't know when the next job will be open. You don't know when you'll have that next one. Sometimes you get it because of relationships. Sometimes you get it because of the proximity to where you work. Sometimes you get it because of the, the hot streak that you're on as a team. On the other hand, sometimes when you take second jobs, oftentimes, you know, these mistakes are in fact preventable and those preventable mistakes are, you know, be careful who you're going to work for. You know, be, be careful who, if you're, let's take Marvin Menzies. Okay. Marvin Menzies is a perfect example. He got fired at UNLV after just three years. It's not just that he got fired after UNLV at three years, but the athletic director that hired him is no longer there. It's not just that he wasn't the first choice. He actually wasn't the first hire, right? Like that's the crazy thing about it. He wasn't the first choice. He wasn't the first hire, um, so when, when that happens, like, I, I think people have to be reasonable about it. They had fired Dave Rice midseason. The thing was all kinds of a mess. They wanted to hire Mick Cronin, thought that was done. Mick got on a plane, flew back to Cincinnati, was like, what am I doing? And he smartly didn't leave his alma mater where, you know, his daughter uh, lived and, you know, his ex-wife's there as well. And look at the success that he's had. It doesn't mean he wouldn't have had success in at UNLV, but it would have been a dramatic life change, one that I'm sure at that point in time in his life he wasn't ready for. And it also should be pointed out that it's it, it, it's also a sign of understanding that UNLV was a was a bit of a mess at the time because of the timing of everything. So then they hired Chris Beard, right? Remember that? That Chris Beard was in fact the uh was in fact the, the first hired head coach. Well, then Chris Beard, of course, got a chance to go to Texas Tech after Tubby Smith. And then, you know, so now you've had, I, I get technically, Marvin Menzies was the fourth head coach in half of a year, right? So, because you fired Dave Rice, interim, Beard, Menzies. So he gets the job. You have to clean the thing up and get it going. And even if you could sit there and go, well, Marvin didn't do this or Marvin didn't do that. And there are other factors to play in, you know, that league has been down. Nevada being up, I think, doesn't sit well with the alums who they, they view Nevada as Nevada Reno, no matter how successful Nevada is. UNLV guys are like, that's Nevada Reno. They shouldn't, they shouldn't even be in this conversation. So that part hurt as well. I don't think their TV deal does them a ton of justice. Like I know having done games in CBS sports network, this is no knock on the crews that do it because they got good crews that are dedicated, that know the league super well. And I've done some of those games, even working now with stadium. But the fact is that it's not viewed on equal footing as games on Fox or games on ESPN. It's just not, and they don't have a CBS network deal. So it's not like you're seeing UNLV versus Nevada on CBS on a Saturday. Like if I was negotiating the deal, that's probably something you'd try and push for. I don't know if you could get it. So the league being down, the league's TV deal, the town became a hockey town last winter because of their newfound hockey success. And they struggled to put people in the building. And it was, it's really rough. 
Um, and there is something too. Hey, if you don't think some guy's the guy, make the change now as opposed to making everybody wait an additional year. But I think considering what he inherited, and again, I'm not a crier about every coach that loses his job. Many of these guys, but considering what he inherited, I, I think it's really quick. I think it's really hard to smartly and rightfully turn that thing around. That just feels like a bad deal to me. And then we go to Phil Martelli at St. Joe's, who's there 34 years and was fired. And it uh, turns out I, I, I called his last NCAA tournament game. They lost to Oregon after an incredible win against Cincinnati. And um, obviously that was a couple years ago. Um, but I just I, I can only say this about Phil Martelli. So I'm the son of a coach, the brother of a coach, and I don't have any necessary connections with Martelli per se. I've covered his games. I've covered his practices. Uh, I've had, I've had social encounters with him. He and I did this thing at the coaches versus cancer deal in Iowa years ago, where we really struck up a good friendship. And there's a, and he was always very kind to my father, but I, you know, like I didn't play for him. I didn't play for anybody close to him. I, I didn't, it wasn't like he called me to scout games and to, hey, do you know anything about this kid or this player? Nothing. But he is one of those guys where if you're a hoop guy, if you're a ball guy, if you show you showed up his practice and you'd watch game tape, if you showed up his game and you knew both sides of the ball, uh, both teams, both benches, if you knew why he did what he did, if you were reasonable about St. Joe's and their growth and and how difficult it was to sustain what they had going back to 2004, he respected you. So much so that when I have interviewed for coaching jobs, um, I didn't even reach out. He reached out to me. Hey, can I help you with, with this? Yeah, I really, really need help. And, and I'm guessing, again, a lot of you are basketball guys. You know that this is the, this is the truth about ba- basketball. They say basketball is family. It really is. And kind of once you're in and... People treat you like family, treat me like a son or young, you know, or nephew or whatever. And when you're one of the guys like me, look, my mentor, he's not capable anymore of picking up the phone and calling people. Uh, it, it hurts our basketball family. Uh, Phil Martelli was. Phil Martelli was the guy who said, you know, if you get a job, this is who you should hire and here's why. If you, you want to get a job, this is the type of job you should get. This is how you should implement your defense. One of the things he said, which was great, and this is a great Phil Martelliism, is in the spring, have him play a bunch of one-on-one and two-on-two. Just have him be in the gym and be competitive. Do that some during practice. Um, and the, the logic behind it is, if you try and put in your, you get a job in the spring and you try and put in your offense, you try and show the players how smart you are. By the time you get to the actual game, they're going to have tuned you out 10 times over. And I just thought that was, there was a ton of genius to it. A ton of genius to it. And um, just the, the simplicity in, hey, don't try and show them not just how smart you are, but don't try and show them how smart you are too early in the process because when you do, they will tune you out, and w- once they tune you out, they don't tune you back in. So Phil Martelli was fired, and he's obviously, he's had, you know, his backcourt has been oft injured since that NCAA tournament appearance three years ago. Um, and, you know, his program was always built around great guards. I think it sucks. I think he'll coach again. I think he'll coach real soon. 
I think there's been an unbelievable outpouring of emotion for a guy. And I'll grant you that, yes, he was an institution. Just because he's an institution doesn't mean he can't be fired or he can't. But it, it did feel like he was blindsided by it. It did feel like it wasn't an organic firing. And while St. Joe's is allowed to do that, you know, Temple's going to have a new head coach as well. Aaron McKee's going to take over there. Maybe this is keeping up with the Big Five Joneses. Nova has done this. Nova's been so good in the in the Big Five or the City Series, counting in, counting uh, Drexel, that it's really been hard to compete with them in terms of the headlines. And St. Joe's, once upon a time, was every bit as competitive. It's hard. It's hard. They, I know they got a beautiful facility that they redid, but they redid it because of Phil Martelli. But just because not everybody's fireable doesn't mean there's not, not a way to do it. And what you run the risk of when you're an athletic director is you have 30 years of great history. And look, Phil, there's a coach. Um, I'll name him. His name is Bob Williams. Bob Williams won a national championship at UC Davis. And for 18 years, I believe he was the coach at UC Santa Barbara. And Bob Williams told me, and this is a famous coaching line, as many of you know, every year I'm here, I create an enemy. So now I have 18 enemies. And I'm sure that Phil Martelli, 34 years, I'm sure there's 34 enemies. There are, there, he used outspoken, he's opinionated. Um, sometimes when you don't win as much as you did at one point in time, you can get, I never found him to be defensive to the national media. I can't tell you in the local media. Robinhood is an investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks, ETFs, options, and cryptos, all commission-free. While other brokerages charge up to $10 for every trade, Robinhood doesn't charge any commission fees. So you can trade stocks and keep all your profits. Plus, there's no account minimum deposit needed to get started. So you can start investing at any level. The simple, intuitive design of Robinhood makes investing easy for newcomers and experts alike. View easy-to-understand charts and market data and place a trade in just four taps on your smartphone. You can also view collections such as 100 Most Popular. With Robinhood, you can learn how to invest in the market as you build your portfolio. Discover new stocks, track your favorite companies, and get custom notifications for price movements so you never miss the right moment to invest. Robinhood is giving listeners of All Ball a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help you build your portfolio. Sign up at Doug1.Robinhood.com. That's Doug1.Robinhood.com. All right, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to I'm going to go through every game in the first round, and I'm going to give you my stream of conscious. Duke uh, versus the winner of North Carolina Central, which is really weird because North Carolina Central is literally right next door to Duke, and North Dakota State. I think that's odd. I mean, obviously, I like Duke. Duke, the, the thing with Duke is... Um, I don't think you can pressure them, but you have to be able to handle their pressure. You got to be able to make them shoot and box out rebound. I actually would love the VCU matchup. I don't think they're as good as Duke, but when your best player is hurt and rehabbing just to get back for the second round for the first round, excuse me. Um, I like central Florida over VCU. If you haven't seen BJ Taylor, he can really, really shoot the basketball. Um, he's not a true ball handler and, I do think you can crank them up pressure-wise. If VCU is fully healthy, I would take VCU, but they're not. I'm going to take UCF, and then and then Duke to beat Central Florida. I, you know, I I don't Taco Fall. Taco Fall has gotten better every single year, but I just don't know who he guards in that game. And throwing it to him while he can be effective, he's not so effective. He's not a Kim Elijah one down there. Uh, Mississippi State taking on Liberty. 
Uh, look, Liberty's really skilled, um, and they're going to surprise you, right? Caleb Holmesley uh, is uh, he's kind of one of those all everything guard wings. Um, you know, look, I, I like I like uh, Lovell Cabell Jr. He's a he's a senior from Arlington, Texas. This is an older team, an experienced team, and one uh, you know with with Scotty James, who's got a tremendous amount of uh, of versatility. Uh, first thought with Mississippi State Liberty is I saw Liberty, and maybe it's because I've seen them play twice. I've seen Mississippi State as well. I, I like Liberty in that game, Virginia. Lewis, uh, with Justin Robinson back, I think Virginia Tech is a legit threat to Duke if they can get to the Sweet 16. Going to take Virginia Tech. St. Louis uh, played great in the A-10 tournament. Great. Unbelievable finish. And, you know, considering you lost your incoming recruit a handful of games in to transfer, to get things together at the right time of the season, I mean, Travis Ford, what a remarkable recovery for that St. Louis team. That, that's pretty good. Uh, but I like Virginia Tech. We've seen Belmont now as Belmont took down Maryland. And I, I do think this is a very young Maryland team. I think the fourth youngest team in college basketball. They've obviously struggled a little bit down the stretch, closing out games. Um, and as much as Bruno Fernando can help them on offense, uh, he will kind of struggle on defense to guard the perimeter-oriented Belmont team. And I always think it's easier to play that second game when you're playing with nothing to lose. I, I know it's a quick turnaround. They played Tuesday night and they'll play tonight. Uh, this is Thursday, the time of the recording, but I like Belmont to win that game. I also like Yale to beat LSU. I just think that not having Will Wade, there's a difference in coaching. And there's just kind of a cloud that hovers over LSU. And this Yale team is athletic enough to do a good job against LSU, even if Tremont Waters is coming home to Connecticut. I like Yale. Louisville, Minnesota. I've told people on Twitter, I love Louisville. Uh, Minnesota struggles to shoot the basketball. Uh, Michigan State. Uh, Bradley, I don't think Michigan State is in trouble here, and the second round could be interesting because remember they've already played, already played Louisville early this season and lost to the Cardinals. That would be a fantastic rematch. Um, I think Michigan State has improved, and I think they're the better team, but I also think that'll be a hell of a game, and that's one that Tom Izzo, his team is real is I think worn down by the run in the Big Ten and the run in the Big Ten tournament. Gonzaga should have no trouble with Fairleigh Dickinson. Um, with Howard out for Syracuse now for the remainder of the season, I would expect Baylor to beat Syracuse. Marquette Murray State's super exciting. Late night game, Hartford Civic Center. You have the speed, athleticism, uh, the dynamic play of John Morant going against the the skill of the Hauser brothers and the talent of Marcus Howard. I like Marquette to beat Murray State. I just think they shoot it so well. I think they're better defensively than they've ever been. That's not saying much. Um, if Theo John stays out of foul trouble, I like that Marquette team. And I don't think Florida State has any trouble with Vermont. I do think that Marquette will have trouble with the length of Florida State in the second round. Um, Arizona State, St. John's. Obviously, we got a, I'm recording this on a Saturday. I think Arizona State's going to win that game. I don't think it matters. Buffalo is going to beat yeah, either one of those teams. Tech, I have over Northern Kentucky. Um, I love Nevada. I don't love them against the zone of Florida or uh, or the loaded up defense of Michigan, but I and I can't believe that they're a seven seed. But I do think that a team that's been to the Sweet Sixteen with four guys twenty three years or older, um, if they can make shots, they'll beat Florida and they'll play Michigan in the second round. Wouldn't stun me. Wouldn't stun me if Nevada went to a Sweet Sixteen. I don't think Virginia will have a trouble with Gardner Webb, but Gardner Webb is better than most traditional sixteen seeds. 
Ole Miss all over Oklahoma. Oklahoma's uh, uh, Jemani McNeese has been hurt, and they come kind of sputtering in down the stretch. Freshman point guard, don't love it against Mississippi, who's got a great backcourt. I do like Oregon over Wisconsin. Oregon didn't struggle for lack of talent. They were hurt, and they weren't playing together. Now they're not hurt, with the exception of Bull Bull, and they're playing together. Let's take Oregon. Um, I loved UC Irvine when this thing came out, and then I went back and looked at K-State getting up 11 nothing and pummeling UC Irvine last year. I think Irvine's better this year, and K-State's probably not going to have Will Wade. I'm Will Wade. Sorry. Uh, Dean Wade. But I still like Kansas State to win. Kansas State will play Oregon. You have the rematch of Dana Altman's old school against Dana Altman's, uh, well, very much new school, I guess, even though he's been there nine years. Nova St. Mary's, I think St. Mary's going to give him a hell of a game. Wouldn't stun me if they won this game. Remember, this, this Nova team, um, if they make threes, really hard to play against. But I don't think they have the mismatches that they normally have uh, because you're playing a, a St. Mary's team, which is going to play at their own pace, be very physical with you, and they too can invert their offense. Uh, I like Old Dominion over Purdue. Old Dominion is tremendous defensively, very good rebounding the ball. Cincinnati all over Iowa. Iowa just doesn't have, uh, I think, the, 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 the defense is better, but it's not great. And, um, and their offense, while they have some really skilled players, Jordan Bohannon just is not a guy who can get a step, even on big guys. And I think that's been exposed some. I like Cincinnati against Tennessee. North Carolina, they'll take on Utah State. Utah State's super, super connected. And Washington started to come apart a little bit at the seams. Plus, Utah State really good against the zone. Very good passing, cutting, spacing team. And top five in the country in Kempom defense, two-point defense as well. Auburn, New Mexico State. Um, look, New Mexico State's talented, and Christian's a really good coach. Uh, this Auburn team is not as talented as even last year's, but I do think they're good enough, um, even on short notice, to turn around and beat New Mexico State. Kansas Northeastern will be closer than you think, but Kansas will win. Iowa State has the talent to go to the Final Four. They just don't play much defense. They'll take on, I think, Houston, although Georgia State runs a really good matchup zone, and, uh, and they might have the best player in that game. Wofford over Seton Hall. I know Seton Hall also kind of a one-man team, but I like Wofford's skill, and, and you got Kentucky. Uh, wouldn't stun me if Wofford gives Kentucky a really good game. All right, let's welcome in my man Evan Daniels. Um, now that St. John's season is done, how do we encapsulate that, right? They kind of went all in. They had all these transfers, all these older guys. They played a soft schedule to start the year. And, uh, you know, blown out by Duke, did get to the NCAA tournament, eliminated in the first four, but Mullen actually got his team back to the tournament, uh, something he had not done as a coach. Successful year, how would you characterize the year? I mean, it didn't, it didn't, um, they didn't reach expectations, not with that talent. Um, I mean, they were the last team into the NCAA tournament. Um, I mean, the amount of talent on that team is pretty high. Shamari Pons, Mustafa Aaron. Um, you know, I think most thought entering the year that this was a team that, you know, had the chance to, and the talent to be, a, you know, to win a couple games in the NCAA tournament. So, I mean, I would imagine, I, I don't think it, I don't know where you're, you stand on this, but like, I, I don't think they reached expectations. I don't think so either, but I do think it's interesting. I, I saw a, a tweet, a similar tweet from Jeff Goodman moments ago. And my thing is like, are they really that talented? Right? Like, 
Auburn thinks they're a better team without Mustafa Heron. Um, you know, Marvin Clark did nothing tonight. He's a guy who, I, I, you know, had he stayed around at Michigan State, I do think he would have been useful, but he wasn't going to play last year. They had better players. Um, right. You know, so like there's a, the, the strength of this team was they had a bunch of, most of their transfers were older dudes that had sat out, but there's a reason that they transferred. Uh, Pons was the one guy, but, you know, again, Pons is in college this long because he's a he's an undersized two guard that scores and doesn't do much else. So I don't I don't know. Right. I guess I guess my thing is, um, yeah, I think it was a little disappointing. But I also think us assuming that their talent is so great. I'm not sure. I, I LJ Figueroa is probably their second most talented player. Um, but even he's a JC transfer. I don't. I don't know. There, maybe there's a reason that he was in junior yeah, college, like, right? So, so Justin so, Simon's best defender in the Big East. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, 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 I guess. It, but but why did he leave? Why did he leave Arizona? Why did he leave Arizona? Well, I mean, I think there's a there's a that's a completely separate topic. Like I, th- I think Arizona won. I think maturity wise, he wasn't quite ready, and it just wasn't a good fit. But I mean, he's developed the best. He's the best defender in the league. Yeah, I get what you're saying, though. Like they're not super deep, so I, I kind of understand where you're coming from. Yeah, and and like they have good college players, but so does Arizona State. Like Arizona State has really good athletes, you know. And right. Um, so and, you know, it's it. I, it's we do this in college sports. We do this in professional sports. We act like you're the only team trying, and if you're not trying, if you don't win, it's only because of your failings. Whereas, like sometimes, hey, the other guy's trying too, <laughs> you know. Um, right. Okay, so it sets up Bobby Hurley versus Nate Oates, and. You know, I covered that Buffalo, his Bobby's last Buffalo game when they when they lost in the NCAA tournament. And Bobby would tell me, like, hey, man, I let Nate coach a lot. And Nate has become this right. rising star. Um, I'll, we'll talk about the games itself. Does Nate Oates stay at Buffalo after this season? I don't think that there's going to be a ton of stuff opening up this year. That said... There might, you know, let's let's do a hypothetical here because I think that that we both know that there's a lot of buzz around Buzz Williams going to Texas A&M. If you're Virginia Tech, you know, I think you take a strong look at Nate Oates. Probably take a strong look at Ryan Odom and a couple other guys, but I think Nate Oates would be in a heavy play there. Um, but outside of that, like, what else? What else opens up? I think it depends. But I think he would be a strong play there. I don't think it's the he's back. So the great thing about having you on tonight, the night before the NCAA tournament, of course, this is going to drop tomorrow, the day of the first day of the NCAA tournament is John Calipari came out with a tweet basically saying, hey, let's just put this thing to bed. I'm not I'm not going anywhere. But it was a real rumor. There was we had there was legitimate college basketball people talking about UCLA making some ridiculous offer he couldn't refuse. Correct. Yeah, I mean, I think that I think where their legitimacy was is I think that. UCLA's interest in him was legitimate. What they were going to offer, I don't know. I mean, I just have trouble seeing that they could possibly come into that ballpark. But keep in mind, and I just tweeted this, Kenny Payne, Kentucky's associate head coach, makes $900,000 a year. Do you know what the allotment for assistant coaches for, for all of Steve Alford's whole staff was? I'm going to go a, a million. No, $750,000. $150,000 less than one coach at Kentucky. So, like, I'm getting, like, blown up uh, 
on Twitter by UCLA fans and saying that they have this money. But like, if you're if that's what your salary allotment is for your for your staff, what kind of commitment does that show to your basketball program? I mean, think about it. There's there's um, Kenny Payne nine hundred thousand dollars. Well, that that's the big I thing that I think. The, the other thing that people don't realize about UCLA, um, and they, they just think that, well, it's the UCLA, they'll just throw money at them. And maybe that, maybe that they're going to try and throw money at this problem. But they never have previously. And then I don't even think there's a reality with, like you mentioned, Kenny Payne making 900 grand. Um, but Kenny Payne also makes 900 grand in Lexington, which, like, that's, that's the equivalent to one five or two in LA, right? I mean, let's just kind of be honest with it. Um, that, that's the biggest thing. Football always had this issue. Whereas even USC, if you offer the exact same amount at USC, USC will give guys, give assistant coaches interest-free loans so that they can live in Manhattan beach. Whereas, you know, the UCLA coaches, they're living out in Timbuktu because even if you make 300, $350,000 an assistant football coach, like that's not killing it in LA that you can't live in Bel Air. You can't live in even Encino with that much. I actually, so, so as you know, I lived in Lexington for 10 years. And at one point, I looked at moving to L.A. Manhattan Beach is like my favorite place in the world. If you have a $100,000 salary in Lexington, per like the calculator, you need to be making 520000 to be equivalent and live in Manhattan Beach. So more than the cost of living is more than five times. That's amazing. It's crazy. Yeah. So, so and, who... And so all this cow stuff, like... You saw his tweet, like, I, at the end of the day, I'm sure he just used UCLA to go get a race. Which is what they all do. Um, okay, smart. so it's smart. So, so, it so what's a, I, I just, I can't see Tony Bennett. I can't see him building Virginia into this kind of perfect utopia. You know, he turned down Wisconsin where his dad, his parents live, you know, in a state that he grew up in. Granted, not the resources of L.A., but he just doesn't strike me as a SoCal guy. He doesn't strike me as a guy who, all right, let's start over. Let's do it the right way. And I just I I understand why UCLA would want to hire him, but I don't know why he would want to leave Virginia other than, hey, it's at some point you're tired of playing Carolina, Duke, Louisville, Syracuse. But. It hasn't hurt. That's not what hurts. It's hurt his program. Is what's only thing that's hurt his program is they haven't won in the NCAA tournament. That's it. So, do you think Tony Bennett legitimately will pay attention to it? I think he would be. I think he would be wise to take the phone call. Um, but I, I would be surprised if we saw Tony Bennett in the, you know, on the UCLA sideline next year. I'm with you. I don't necessarily see him as, you know, the SoCal guy. And he also seems pretty content in Virginia. I mean, keep in mind, like, Tony's like a pretty to himself, uh, very down to earth, just kind of a quiet guy. Like, I, I see him as liking, you know, if you've been to Charlottesville, a nice place, but it's like, it's quaint. It's like there's, there's not a lot of going on compared to a city like UCLA. It seems to fit his personality. And I mean that in the most complimentary way. No question. No question. It's got just enough of a little bit of everything, right? There's, um, I, I always, I had an affinity for Virginia. That was the first major school, high major school to offer me a scholarship when Jeff Jones was there. And, um, 
I, you know, I started doing research on him as a kid and I was like, man, this is, it, I, it's like I told people about, about Notre Dame. It's like going to school in a museum, right? You're like, but this, this building's how old and who designed it? Like, it's kind of amazing. You do stop and, and kick yourself. It's pretty, something pretty special. He's been able to build there. I just don't know, like, I, I get the UCLA thing. You know, my brother and sister went there. I've been to a million games there. I just don't know if, I don't know. So, okay, so let's say Tony doesn't take it. Who does? Well, the other names that I've heard um, would be um, Mick Cronin, Mike Hopkins, you know, there's been rumors out there about Mike Bray. I don't, I don't know about that. Um, but those would be the names that I've heard. Now, how legitimate those are, I don't know. But those come from, you know, industry sources that we all talk to. The Hopkins thing is interesting. Um, obviously, he's done a nice job at Washington. And he is a Southern California guy. Uh, it seems like a massive jump after such a short period of time. Massive, massive jump. Bray feels Bray does not feel like West Coast, and obviously they're not coming off of a great year. Maybe that doesn't matter because he's done more at Notre Dame than anybody since Digger, and and you could maybe even argue uh, more than Digger, especially in the NCAA tournament. Um, I just don't know if any of those make sense. They make people want to go to a UCLA game. That's a weird one, and and I like I like Mick, but I don't see Mick as an LA guy. I think he's perfect where he is. Right. You know, I mean, he went three. there. He's from they're there. Like, they're really good coaches, but not. It doesn't make them a good fit. It doesn't mean they wouldn't win, but they would run into the same issues everybody runs into at UCLA, which is, yeah, you're just kind of that kind of kind of guy, kind of kind of guy. I don't know what it is. Um, so, like, if if it's if if you don't think like who is I guess who is I don't know who is the good fit. You know, well, Patino would have been perfect UCLA, before all this. Patino would have been perfect for all, before all this stuff. You know, he, I, you know, I agree. He, I don't think he would have ever left Louisville to go to UCLA. If like his his parting of ways had been more amicable than, and he was not coaching at Louisville, then I agree. I mean, Patino would have been great anywhere. I think he's the you best know, of all. all to be honest, anyway. to be honest with you, like I actually think he's probably the best all around. In the last, you know, even better than Coach K, to be totally honest, because his teams, he's he's changed his styles multiple times. But he also was an innovator in terms of embracing the three point shot, pressing, you know, into the various zones. You know, his offense has evolved. Um, and like, look, he's shown he can a lot. Of, huh? So sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, well, I was okay. going to say, I was going to add to that. Like, the truth is, is he's oftentimes done more with less. Yes. Like his player development, guys have gotten better. Like think about the team that he won a title with. Like uh, Gordon no was like a top 50 player. Um, and he, he's been in the NBA a little bit, but like Russ, Russ Smith. I mean, coming out of high school, Russ Smith was just kind of known as a shot jacker. And I mean, he still did that a little in college, but like he had that dude rolling. Peyton Siva was a, he was a top 50 type player coming out of high school. But I mean, Luke Hancock, he took a transfer. Like he's like, I, I, he just consistently, you're right, on the innovative and change his style. And just consistently, I thought from a, um, you know, he wasn't going out and getting top 10 dudes. 
Well, people, but people him. forget, people forget when they were at Kentucky, I mean, he handed Tubby another championship, but I mean, they, they were so ridiculously loaded, right? Like when you gave him Kentucky, like he was cow before cow back when, before guys had one and dones, he was loading up. I mean, he just loaded his teams up. Um, and of course there was Providence that he took to the final four. So I actually think he's the, he's the honestly the best all around coach and he's a great game coach as well. A tactician. Have you ever been to one of his practices? Yes, it's amazing. He speaks at this level. He has a microphone when I've been, and he speaks at this level. (laughs) And it's like a clinic. It's like watching a clinic. Um, No question. um, The Porter Porter Mosier to UNLV, the rumor is he turned it down, right? That Porter's waiting on what? His alma mater, Creighton, if the FBI thing gets big, or DePaul, which isn't going to open this year. Is 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 that a fair guess? That would that makes sense. I don't know. I admittedly don't know enough about his situation, but that would make sense. Yeah, it's weird though to sense. turn down you. I think if he turns down UNLV, he's at Loyola of Chicago. I I don't. I think the UNLV's. It, look, is it screwy? Yeah. Do they have to win now because the, the NFL is coming and maybe the NBA is coming soon? Probably. But there's a lot of things you can do it. You, you know, you can do it. The I think you can do it relatively the right way. I think you get players. Um, I think it's a great town. I think it's better to raise a family in than people think, although maybe that he's because he's a Midwestern Western guy, but, and they haven't had a, a great tactical coach, uh, maybe ever like, and you think like, look, if you give him super, super talented players and he can get him to play his way, I don't know. I, I can't say like Loyola Chicago just seems like such a tough job. I don't get it. Yeah, it's a, it is a, it is a tough job. I think you also have to be careful too. Like you can miss your window. Um, you can, you know, he made the tournament last year, didn't this year, but obviously a very good coach. Um, I mean, I still don't think they're long. You still don't think what? Uh, uh, I, I'm still at loyal of Chicago for long term. Like I think this is a guy that's ready for a big job. What the big job is, I don't know. Yeah. It's a it's a great question. All right, let's get to here, here's what I want to do. I'm just gonna give you the game. Let's just talk out these games. Cool enough? And then and then and then you yep. can go and party. You can go hang with your boys in Vegas. Um, <laughs> Sounds good. All right, here's what we're gonna do. Let's let's start in in um, uh, chronological order in terms of when they'll begin. Minnesota Louisville. My first glance at this one, Louisville. That thing's jumped up to a five point deal for Louisville. I've seen Minnesota. I've seen them both in person. Um, I think I think they're both actually. I actually I've grown grown to really like Richard Pitino. I don't know how much you know him. I find him to be really funny, very self deprecating, the exact opposite of what you would think Rick Pitino's son would be. Like you'd think he'd be pretentious and full of himself, and he's not. Well, he's pretty funny. I, yeah, and I think he kind of gets it, and I don't think he takes himself super seriously. And he's done a nice job. I just I just don't think they have the shooting and. Uh, where they're good, Louisville's probably better, right? Where where Minnesota's good is in that front court, and they're, and yeah, go. Their their shooting is definitely a concern, probably their biggest concern. Richard's even Richard brought that up to me earlier in the year. But the when they're good, like when Amir Coffee is good, because mm-hmm. like you know he's going to rebound around the ten. He gets into foul trouble sometimes, but when like Amir Coffee's rolling. They're very good. They, they what they're missing too is sitting over on the bench, and that's Marcus Carr. He was a uh, transfer. They thought transfer. they were going to get eligible. Yeah, they needed another ball handler. 
Um, yeah, and they, I they think he's like, they think he's a point guard though. I don't think he's a point guard. Do you? He's he's a combo. Yeah. He's a, he's a combo, but he can he can play with the ball in his hands. And they needed another guy. They didn't. You know, it's pretty clear they don't trust Isaiah Washington. No, and Isaiah Washington's basically Isaiah Washington's basically out of the rotation now too. So they're playing. You know, they're playing with du, uh, Dupree McBrayer and and they're playing Amir Coffee as the backup point guard. Yeah. Right. Exactly. He plays with the ball in his hands quite a bit. You know who's yeah. good as a two freshman? Oturu and uh, Gabe Kessler. Those two yeah. are going to be players. I completely agree. And then but, they have a what's the super athletic freshman, too, that he doesn't play that much? They got another big, they have another big kid. Yeah. Um, he, um, uh, Omarsa. And he'll, he'll, yes. I think he'll like slide in for Jordan Murphy. Obviously, big shoes to fill, but he, like, he didn't play a ton for him this year, but I think next year he'll slide into that role more. Um, I really like, like, I like Jordan uh, Wara. I, lo- I mean, I, and, and you know, the guy who I can't believe only plays 19 minutes a game is Steven Enoch. Like, that dude is so skilled. I, I kind of don't understand why they don't play him more. Well, he's he's skilled, but he's a little inconsistent, and but he's built like a Greek god. He's got hands. He's got nice touch. I think he just goes and lapses. But I think another year in college, like I think I think he could play in the NBA. No question, no question. Um, okay, so who do you like in the game? Um, I picked I picked Louisville. But I, I honestly could see it going either way. Okay, close game. That's All right, here's one that everybody's talking about as a potential upset. Have you seen Yale in person? I have not. Okay, so I've seen them on. I've only seen them on tape, and they're pretty athletic for 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 an Ivy League team. Um, and they're taking on LSU. Who LSU when they walk into the gym, it's all like Florida State. You're like, damn, they got some dudes. And they have, you know, right. they're not the they're not the classic team with dudes that doesn't have a good point guard. They have a really good point guard in Tremont Waters. Uh, this is a a lot of people picking this as an upset. Do you see that happening? Well, I think it's possible. Like, look, LSU doesn't have their coach right now. It's like you know, you take. Uh, I guess this is probably like a dramatic way to put it. You take Phil Jackson off the Bulls. Are they the same? I don't know. Like, no. You take Will Wade off there. I mean, obviously they're they're athletic, they have talent, but you're, you're, they don't have their coach. So I I actually think from that standpoint, like they're susceptible to Yale. There's it could be Maryland, it could be Belmont, any of those. I could see. It's just hard for me. I can't pick them to go far in this tournament because they don't have their head coach. Yeah. So I yeah. certainly could be buying that Yale knocks them off. Now they could also come out and just overwhelm you with their athleticism and just natural talent, but. You know, Yale's pretty good. You know, um, I, I can't say the name properly. They got a uh, a pretty good forward prospect. Yeah. What? Um, so. uh, what? Else, I mean, there's. I can't see a way in which he coaches again. There. Can you? On the other hand, I mean, like, I, maybe it's different. But Bruce Pearl refused to talk to his president, and he won the SEC tournament championship. Um, but it, it feels like this is different if Yahoo Sports, it seems to have, you know, somebody's heard a tape and his voice is on it. I, I don't I don't see that happening for him. How do you what are you hearing in terms of how it plays out? Yeah, well, I, I haven't necessarily like heard anything one way or other. But like when you're when you are examining the situation, 
UCLA or uh, not UCLA, LSU the day after um, this all came out when they suspended they suspended him. I think they acted so quickly that they don't have a choice now. Like they can't unsuspend him, and I don't think that he'll ever be able to prove himself guilty or innocent. I don't think they're going to ever be able to prove if he did or didn't pay anyone. So then it becomes his word versus theirs. And I, I also like I understand why he's not talking to administration. Because that's what his lawyers told him to do. No, I, I get that. I, I get that. There's, I get that. There's probably no proof of an actual transaction. Like one of the things that seems to be missing here, and that no one, and maybe you can speak to this, because is I, look. I remember when I was a kid, guys were talking about huge numbers and what they were getting. Now, with all those huge numbers, the only guy who ever quote unquote got paid was Jelani Gardner, right? And he got thirty grand. Now that was a lot of money, and that brought down. And that was when Todd Bozeman was there, right? Todd Bozeman just got fired uh, today at Morgan State. And that whole program went down because of it. But the, the, right. the point I was getting to was, I remember guys were then, back then, this is in 95, 94, dudes were like, well, I'm getting 75, I'm getting a... It was a lot of, it was a lot of bullshit. It was a lot of big talk. So again, that doesn't mean guys aren't getting paid, but I also know that, look, I've been around basketball enough to know that people say things like, we'll take care of them, you know, we'll do whatever it takes. With the idea in mind, I think the players think, well, that means I'm going to get paid. And the reality to it is no payment is ever made. So I, I do think that there is a possibility that there was never a transaction. The problem is that I don't, there doesn't have to be in order for it to look bad, in order for you to be fired for it. Yeah, of course. I agree with that. I mean, I think that there's uh, hundreds of conversations every year where someone asks for something and a coach wants to stay on that kid's list. So they are vague, but say what they want to hear. It's, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll work it out one day. Now, obviously, what was heard on those wiretaps was stronger than we'll work it out one day, but you get what I'm going with this. Like, there, mm-hmm. there are plenty of coaches that will say what they have to say to stay on a kid's list so maybe down the road when he's getting closer to decision, other stuff falls through and they're still there. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Totally, totally makes sense. Absolutely makes sense. Um, have you seen... New Mexico play, New Mexico State play? Um, a little, and I know offensively they're pretty impressive shooting the ball, and I think Chris Jans is a really good coach. Really good coach. Like, really, really good. You know, he, he was at Wichita State when they beat Gonzaga and they went to, to, the, to the Final Four. And he, he was a, you know, he had, I thought he... he you ever know, and I know he got in trouble Bowling Green. I think he's gotten, he's gotten clean since. I don't know if he doesn't drink at all now or whatever. I do know that he's, you know, we all know I lost a Bowling Green job. But I remember right. um, watching them practice. I get, and Greg was great to me. And he let me sit in on film session. And I remember, like, I was really impressed by Jans. And then they beat Gonzaga. And they're like, Gottlieb, you're coming back. You and Spiro, you're celebrating with us. And we went and we had... Spiro Diaz is a big scotch guy at the time. I don't know if he still is. And we drank some scotch, and then we went upstairs, and we, we hung out with them. And he was uncomfortably drunk. Like, he was, I was like, you know, like, when you've only been around a guy a couple nights, but the one night you're around him and they're drinking, he drank, drink, he's, he's had right. so much to drink, and he said some things that we were like, this is not the first time the guy's been uncomfortably drunk. That said, I think he's a hell of a coach, and... You know, I I wonder how long he lasts at New Mexico State because somebody else is going to go like, yeah, he doesn't drink anymore. He's past those problems. I guess my question is, Auburn 
has done a lot with a little, right? They'll tell you that, like, look, we're not as talented as we were last year, uh, but we're a better team this year, in case in point, the SEC uh, SEC tournament championship. But I don't think this is a night and day in terms of talent. I love Jared Harper. I think he he if it's a close game, he wins it. Do you think Auburn gets upset by New Mexico State? I think it's possible. I took Auburn in it uh, because I, I like how they've closed out the year. You know, I was having a conversation with Stephen Pearl versus Son, and he said that they're just doing a, real, uh, a lot better job of closing out games, winning close games. And I think if you watch them, that, that they were impressive in the SEC tournament. But here's the thing. They could go into the NCAA tournament, have one bad shooting night, and then it's a wrap. So I actually think this is one of the more fascinating first-round games. There's going to be a lot of three-pointers. It's mm-hmm. going to be fast-paced and fun to watch. And either outcome wouldn't surprise me. I picked Auburn, but I wouldn't be surprised either way. I, I just I think they're like they're playing well and they're coming into the tournament with a lot of confidence. Florida State, Vermont. The Becker thing is interesting. I've heard he's a terrible interview uh, in terms of like for schools. <laughs> you know, right? Uh, you're laughing because you've heard the same I've thing. I've never met. Him. I've never. I, no, no, I've never met him. Oh, he's a great guy. Oh, man. He's I've an amazing guy. Yes. He's like one of those guys that you're like, wow, this is a guy's really smart. This guy's really cool. And then you're like, wait, you played tennis? You were a tennis guy? Like, so weird. But I just, th- I've heard he's just, I don't think aloof is just, there's just not, like, you know, look, if you're going to coach at a real school, and I think Vermont's amazing what they've done to that program. Like, from when Tom Brennan got into the NSA tournament to now they, they're going to open a new arena in a couple of years. They got a big time AD. You know, they've had kind of a good little run here, a, a bunch of different coaches, and they've all been good. Uh, but he's been amazing. But he just, he stays there because, you know, I heard he goes in on interviews and they're like, yeah, I don't know how he recruits, you know, higher level kids because uh, all his kids are are great kids. And I was like, oh, does it matter? I mean, I don't know. He seems to be doing well where he is. Um, okay, so they're taking on Florida State. And Florida State is the ultimate airport team. Like, they walk in, you're like, dude, every year. <laughs> but every year they seem to come up short in the NCAA tournament. Is this year any different? I actually kind of like them. Um, you're right about the all-airport team. And defensively, you know what you're getting from them. They're long, they're athletic. But it's kind of a similar scenario than past years. They don't shoot it great. They're 218th in the country and shooting from three. Um, but there's something about them that I still kind of like. You know, they're good. They're, they have rim protectors and they have athletic wings. Like Terrence Mann, Ter- Trent Forrest, MJ Walker, mm-hmm. those dudes can defend. Terrence Mann's really improved as a shooter. MJ Walker can score. Uh, I mean, I don't think they're a Final Four team. But it wouldn't shock me if we turn around and they were, you know, in the Sweet 16 or Elite 8. Now, I don't have them in either, but mm-hmm. it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, they're crazy talented. But it's like, how many years have they done this to where you look and you're like, and they haven't, you know, people forget, like, they should have beat Duke at home. I know they got smashed by Carolina. Yeah. Um, and they went through that weird stretch where they lost to BC and to Pittsburgh. But, like, you, I, you can just see it, right? The, those guys in layup lines look down at BC and they're like, no fucking way are we losing to these guys. And, you know, turn around, they end up losing 
to to be they shoot it poorly. Uh, they, at Pitt, they were uh, two of twenty two from three. That was just that's just one of those all time stinkers. But you know, I mean, hell, they beat Virginia. They beat Virginia Tech. I mean, they're the exact opposite of Virginia in terms of they just have so much length and like they're just going to challenge every jump shot. I, they're they're like the most interesting team because I could see them. I can't see them losing to Vermont, but I could see them losing pretty early. But I could see them going a long way. And if the bracket opens up for them, who knows? Um, right. I love what Izzo has changed offensively. Like he. He used to run all the old box set bullshit and some of the same old sets. And, yeah, he runs a lot of horns now and some handoffs. But the angles and the ball screens have changed. Like, I think he – this team is, is, is more fun to coach because, he, he, you know, they call them our kind of guys. Um, and they have – you know, they don't have the egos. They don't have the agendas. And they're not as front-loaded with, with, with forwards like they were last year. But I also think, he, you know, as much as those guys will give credit to the players and having, you know, more bought-in guys and older guys that have no ego, I also think that they've done a better job as a staff putting their team in a better position. Is that fair? Yeah, no, I think that's certainly fair. I actually – and this is maybe off-topic – I think this is as good of a coaching job as Izzo's done once you consider, like, all the injuries they've – had this year, no Josh Langford. They lose Nick Ward. Aaron's is now doubt, and here they are winning the Big Ten, winning the Big Ten tournament. And he always seems to have his teams like playing really well late. They've won ten of eleven, beat Michigan three times in that span, beat Wisconsin twice. Like there's there's something about this team that like I. I don't think they're as talented as some of these past Michigan State teams, but they do have one of the best point guards in the country, and they they play hard. Matt McQuaid stepped up, and he's more than just a, a shooter. Like He's defending his position, and there's something about this team that I really like. I don't like that the, they're in Duke's region, but <laughs> I like them. I don't like they play Thursday more than Duke's region, but I, I like him as well. I mean, I, I'll tell you what. <laughs> I, I'll tell you what. Cassius Winston, like, you look at him, you're like, is he even in shape? Like, he's kind of thick. He's a below-the-rim guy. Like a dumpy body. He has a bad body. Like, he's, he's a guy who's going to come back to school and twit the 20th anniversary of the Big Ten Championship. And that dude is, he, if he's not careful, like, he's going to be like 250. Right. And they'd be like, that's Cassius Winston. Like, yeah, that's Cassius Winston. Like he was a bad boy, but he little guys, he knows little guys. He uses his shoulder and a bump him to create space. And all they do is run around, set ball screens for him. So he gets a big guy and he doesn't need much time to get it off. And he shoots all these scoop shots like he's pretty remarkable player, pretty remarkable player. Um, All right, let's let's get to Maryland. They take on Belmont. I think that game's going to be interesting because Bruno Fernando is going to have to guard out in the perimeter. But this is a year where there, there were strong rumors for a long time that, you know, Turge would look at the Nebraska job because uh, his, you know, his dad lives close. Um, that, you know, they, they had grown tired of Turge and he'd grown tired of them. He's got a super young team and I know they didn't finish the way they wanted, but 22 and 10, 13 and 7 in the Big Ten and, and a good seed in the NCAA tournament feels like this has been more than a job saver, like a stabilizing year for him. Am I crazy? No, I don't think so at all. Um, I think, I mean, one, he won 22 games, made the tournament. They've got talent. Um, statistically, they're pretty impressive. Uh, I, I, I like them. I picked Belmont in this game more because I think they're kind of my sleeper team. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but that doesn't change the fact that, like, I think this this year definitely helps Mark Turner. You, you mentioned Belmont's a sleeper team. Um, it's interesting. I, I did maybe, their game against, huh? Maybe sleeper is not the way to put it because, like, I think everyone's, they're kind of that trendy pick. But there's something about them that I just, I like. I've seen them a lot, too, obviously, living in that. What is it you like? I mean, I, I know the things that I like about them, but you haven't seen them more. Yeah. I mean, I like the fact that they have they have so many guys that can dribble, pass, and shoot. Right there, yeah. uh, and they and and they have they've recruited a higher caliber of athlete, higher caliber of feels like a you know kid than you know, some of the some of the previous NCAA tournament teams. Um, and then you know, Windler is Windler has is I you know he's pretty special as a college player. Yeah, I agree, and I think, but I think they're more than just him because you can even like the first four game, he kind of got lost offensively. Maybe not lost is the word, but he wasn't aggressive. But he always yeah. rebounds. Like he had fourteen rebounds in that game. The kid that's gotten a lot, a lot better is Kevin McLean. Like from when he was a freshman to now, and I mean, he had 22, 29 points against Temple. They don't win that game without him. He's shooting it more consistently. He can get to the rim. And the point guard, I think, does a really good job of setting guys up, making plays. He can pass. And same with the big. Um, I, I, I never say his name right, so I, his nickname's Moose. So I just call him Big Moose. But he's pretty skilled. And Nick Masinski? Offensively, Nick, yeah. Nick Masinski, I think, yeah. Masinski, yeah. Mm-hmm. They're very efficient. Look, I'm, I'm yeah, looking I, at the ten pound stuff right now. Yeah. The number two and two-point field goal percentage in the country and 49 and three-point percentage. Yeah, I, the Ken Palm's interesting because I want to get to Utah State with the Ken Palm stuff. Um, all right, let's get to Kansas. I, I also have Belmont winning that game. Um, Northeastern playing Kansas. I saw Kansas early. I saw them when they had Doak. I saw them mid-season when they lost to K-State. And then I saw them late-season when they lost to Oklahoma. And that was when the streak was officially over. Um, first, how legitimate do you, do you think Self would leave? No. I know those rumors are running rampant, but, like, I don't – would he leave one day for an NBA job? I could see it, but, like, I don't – I'm not buying the stuff that he's leaving, though. I mean, there's, here's the thing, Doug. There are so many random rumors going around right now because of the FBI stuff that it's just – it's hard to – sift through what to and what not to believe. You know, I think with, like, the Calipari stuff that we were talking about today, it is easy to believe and to know that UCLA had interest in Calipari. It's the other side that you'd never know to believe or not is it reciprocated. And, you know, with with self, like, you're pretty happy at Kansas. I I don't see it. I don't either. um, And, you know, like, look, they're going to defend him. Long's going to defend him. And, you know, the only thing is, is kids are out of the house. Uh, you know, I mean, how many more Big Ten, Big 12 championships can you win? You want to start the streak over. And if it was the Bulls, like I've, I've heard Lakers guys say, like, they might, go get an, they might go get a college coach. It's got to be somebody who commands a room. And I actually think Bill would be a really good NBA coach. I do. Just because, and I don't know how much time you spend around him. I've spent a bunch around him. He just has a way where he... Um, he takes over a room, but doesn't do so where, and he bust balls, but he doesn't do so where you're like, mm, that guy's a dick. Like, no, that's not how he does it. Like he, 
Uh, and look, now, look, there are guys that he just turns on that are his the, his whipping boys, like any co- like any coach has. But um, he's pretty he's got a pretty good way about him. And then I think you know all these guys that hire have to hire an offensive and defensive coordinator because the styles are so different. But I I don't I honestly don't know. Um, I, I don't think he's a lifer at Kansas. I don't. I think the NBA intrigues him. And I think you and I talked about this on Cowherd. Like, I think a lot of these guys are just kind of done with the whole college. Like, at some point, the college thing and chasing guys to class and recruiting kids, maybe it changes when they can go straight to the pros. But, like, think about it. You're going to be recruiting a kid, and if he blows up, you know, and he, he already commits to you, well, he's going to go to the NBA draft. And you're like, well, now i got to go recruit another kid? Like, I don't think people have realized what a – you know what a mess that one's going to be um so that one will be super super interesting to see what happens um all right let's go to north northeastern bill cohen's a tremendous coach uh they went on a crazy run at the end of the year they've only lost i think two games since january 10th right they lost to charleston in overtime and they lost a thousand on the road by three. I mean, this has been, they were the best team in their league. They did get blown out early in the year by Syracuse. Uh, they got smashed by Virginia tech. They, they, you know, so they weren't, and they even lost to, to, to Vermont early in the year. So have you seen Northeastern at all? I, I've seen some, like I, I watched clips of the, um, championship game the kid that's averaging 18 points a game. Uh, how do you say it? Bossa? Mm-hmm. Sure, that's what we're going with. Yeah. <laughs> that's what we're going with. Yeah. He, he, so it, good, it almost becomes like a referendum on Kansas, right? Like, dude, I don't care how many guys you've lost to injury and suspension and whatever. You know, no Doke, no DeSilvio. You know, you've had some disappointment. Like, you can't lose to Northeastern. Sorry. Yeah. No, I, I don't disagree with you. I mean, Kansas, Kansas, Kansas still has way more talent. They've still got... Um, Diedrich Lawson, who's mm-hmm. extremely productive. They've got good guards. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, 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 I agree. You can't, like, that's a game they need to win. That's a game they Marquette, win. Marquette, Murray State. I, I'm guessing, being a guy who's lived in the area, you like Murray State. I don't. No, well, let me rephrase that. I do like Murray State. I do like John Morant. I picked Marquette and Marcus Howard. Um Look, I, I, it's, it's simply like I just think Marquette, Marquette's a better team. Um, John Morant's awesome. Um, Marquette's got a better supporting cast around Marcus Howard than I would say Murray State does around John Morant. And that's not really a knock on Murray State. Like, they've done a great job. Matt, Matt McMahon, I think, is like a bright up-and-coming coach. I think he'll, he'll be a coach at a high major school in the next two or three years. I just think, uh, and I know Marquette's kind of sputtered down the stretch, Mm-hmm. But I, I think Marcus Howard and the Hauser brothers, um, and then they've got Theo John inside from a defensive standpoint. Sakar Adams, kind of their X factor. I, I think, I, for some reason, I, I just think that they're going to go on a little run here. And I'm not saying they're going to Final Four, but mm-hmm. I, I don't see them losing to, to Murray State. I, I, I don't. I don't want to make too big a deal of state championships. Okay. And it's it's Wisconsin, but there's a reason right. that the Hauser boys won championships. Like I thoroughly enjoy watching them play. I saw them beat Xavier on the road, and look, Xavier wasn't great this year. They just weren't. But Xavier played probably their best game of the year to date at at, at that point against Marquette, and Marquette took every punch and still beat them. Um, 
I just I, those guys make shots, make big plays, and and they did that. That was Theo John was in foul trouble. I think they're pretty damn good. I I'm, I agree with you on Marquette. I think that's one that everybody assumes twelve five Murray State John Morant, and I see Marquette being a lot better defensively than people realize, and and they're a lot bigger than they've been. They used to be so diminutive when they had those two little tiny guards last year uh, with Rowley. Uh, they just they couldn't yep. stop anybody, you know. And now you put. Now they can at least, you know, Anum can really defend, really defend, and John can really defend the rim. And then, you know, the Hauser boys are big. They're not great, but they're big and they're more athletic than you think. Florida, Nevada. And it's interesting. I, I did the show on Stadium with, uh, with Goodman, and we had, uh, we had Muss on. And I asked him about how connected they were as a team. And he's like, oh, I don't even want to get that. Like, we lost four games. Like, we just lost in the Mount West tournament. We didn't have Jordan Caroline. And I, you know, like now Canadians are mad at me because I said, you know, Florida's got an 18-year-old Canadian point guard. And like, oh, hey, why are you talking bad about Canada? I was like, nothing. I just happened to point out that he is Canadian. I think he's terrific, <laughs> but he just happens to be Canadian and he's 18 years old. Um, and, you know, like... You know, I know they got some older dudes with Kevon Allen and and Jalen Hudson, who seems to have been there for years. But I just don't like I don't like them against a bunch of twenty three year old dudes that are that are pretty tough and feel like all right now now these games matter now let's start playing harder. I, I also like never got a great feel for Florida. I, they were they I think they've just been so up and down. Like I know they had the, they had a five game winning streak, and then they mm-hmm. finished. Um, two of two of their last six, and I almost feel like Nevada's kind of coming into the tournament maybe a little undervalued, mm-hmm. um, and maybe that's because of you know some of their losses. Like you know they lost San Diego State, they lost Utah State, they lost San Diego State again in the Mountain West Conference tournament. Um, I think you make a really good point about their experience. I mean, they've got to be one of the oldest teams in the country, if not the oldest, and they've been there before. You know, I was at I was at their first two um, NCAA tournament games last year, and I mean the Martin twins just make big shots. You can count on Caroline being productive. Um, and uh, back to your, you know, Andrew Nimhart. I think Andrew Nimhart's going to be really good. I do too. But, I think he's be really good. I think he's a little bit of a step slow, is my only thing. And then he's eighteen. He's literally eighteen years old. Yeah, he's young. He's young. Um, I actually think that could be a really good game. And I also, but I also think that like Nevada maybe is like, I think maybe at the beginning of the season they were almost like the um, kind of like um, popular pick to be you know top five to ten team, and it's almost like we've all kind of taken maybe not everybody but we've taken like a step back on them, and maybe they're coming in a little underrated. Yeah, I mean a seven seed seems really low. It just does. It just does. I don't know. Um, I like Nevada in the game. Uh, we'll, we'll see if I'm wrong. Um, I would agree with you on Florida. I thought Mike had trouble figuring figuring this team out. I, I also think that you know, as much as Kevon Allen's had a had a really successful uh, career there, like there's some limitations there. He is he's tiny, and uh, that allow that allows Jazz Johnson to play and have somebody he can guard, um, and. Yeah, I, I think Nevada, I'm, I'm actually more of a buyer in Nevada than other people are. Um, I'll be interested to see, you know, if they advance and they take on uh, Michigan, how they would do, uh, how they would do with Michigan's um, kind of loading to the ball. You know, they're just not, they're an ISO team. They're not a team that, that spreads it and you got to spread it, especially to the weak side. I mean, maybe Jazz Johnson goes crazy, but I don't, 
I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated by, by Nevada and what happens with this team. Uh, Nova St. Mary's. So I'm a believer in Nova and, you know, I saw him in the Big East tournament, um, live against Providence and I watched the championship game. I think Jay's kind of got this team going, going right. Like he told me before the tournament, I've got Eric Pascal, I've got Phil Booth, but I need like, I need a third and fourth guy to like start consistently being there. And if you look at the Big East tournament, one of these three, Gillespie, Jermaine Samuels, and um, Sadiq Bay, one of those three stepped up, or two, stepped up each and every game. And I think those three are starting to be a little more reliable. And I think he's got them heading in the right direction. Like, I put them in my Sweet 16. Um, I kind of like them. I do, too. I just, I, you know, there's just, I mean, Booth just makes shots. I mean, that kid, he's unbelievable. Like, he's not very athletic. But the level of confidence he plays with and the poise that he plays with is crazy. Pascal is such a hard matchup, right? Because he's so freaky, long, and athletic, but he has no neck, so he's he doesn't look as he doesn't look as big as he plays. Um, and this is not a great this is not a great St. Mary's team. This is a St. Mary's team that's scuttled for a good amount of time. On the other hand. Um, look, Jordan Ford can really shoot the basketball, can really play. And I don't think that that Nova just overwhelms you athletically on the ball defensively that the way they have in the past. And uh, I, I think it'll be a close game. I do. Um, I'm with you on Nova. And there's, I mean, this is an unbelievable coaching job that Jay has done. Just, you know, probably better than what he did last year. He had so many players. I mean, they were completely bought in in terms of their system and style. But... Um, but considering the beatings they were taking, the pressure that was on the team, and to get it together, however down the Big East was, it doesn't matter. Nova's everybody's biggest game. He's done an amazing job. And then I think Randy's done. Randy's one of these guys like I don't, I, you know, I still don't know, other than the fact that he's, he's a tough interview, I still don't know how he's stayed at, uh, at St. Mary's all this time. Um, all right, we're, I'm not, I'm not going to bring up Kentucky in terms of Abilene Christian. What do you think Kentucky as a team right now? I actually really like him, and I said this, I can't remember if I said it's unheard or speak, but I, I, I think that the winner, uh, I think I said it to you, the winner of Kentucky-North Carolina goes to the championship game. Mm-hmm. And I think Kentucky is a completely different team from November, a completely different team from when they lost Seton Hall in December. I think that their point guard play is really developed. I think part of that's because Quad A Green left, and they were able to kind of get some – just identity at that position with Ashton Hagens. He disrupts yep. things defensively. He can pass. And then Tyler Hero has really taken a, a positive step forward. And T.J. Washington, the last half of the season, played like a first-team All-American. All that combined, and I haven't even talked about Kelvin Johnson. So I think, like, I think, I actually think this is one of Calipari's really good coaching jobs, too. Like, I think he has them going in the right direction at just the right time. And, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, if you watch, I don't know if you saw the SEC tournament semis when they, uh, when, when they lost to, uh, to Tennessee, they coughed that game up. They had mm-hmm. that game won, and Reed Travis fouled out. And there was yep. a couple loose balls that Reed Travis probably gets if he's in the game. And I think he's, he may be one of their most important players just because he's their kind of like their physical bulldozer inside that will rebound. Mm-hmm. I, I, I really like I, I would not be surprised. I picked Duke in my bracket. I will not be surprised if they if they were cutting down the nets. And I know you. Picked I, 
Yeah, I, I did. And, and I, it's interesting that the addition by subtraction in the guard spot, when you don't have a guy you have to put in that they had early this year and how much better they are because of it. You know, like I, I just your whole team. Oh, yeah. I mean, listen, Quaddy Green, I, I pointed out on Twitter, this is back when they lost to Duke. He, he'd come in the game and he was like trying to prove himself first that he could make shots. Second, that he could run a team, and he wasn't great at either. And then there was terrible defensive balance. And then, you know, it's just also when, when guys are unhappy with their role and guys are not really bought into it, like it just, it's like the, it's like, it's like the flu. It passes through the team. And, and then at that point in time, even though, you know, even though you had Reed Travis who had played a bunch of college basketball, one, he hadn't played it with Kentucky. Like, I don't think he really understood, like, it's different in Kentucky than it is at Stanford. But also, they, I don't think they really understood how to use him. And maybe even Cal, like, he hadn't had a guy like that. And maybe since right. he's been there, right? Like his, all his bigs are either stiffs that can only block shots, you know, or he had, you know, Anthony Davis that could, you know, he was a shot blocker, but he could do move. Like they didn't have a guy, a rugged guy like that who was developed, who had played, and was older. So I think they all had to learn like they, and he made zero adjustments in that game. None. It was like, I want them to get their ass kicked, get their nose rubbed in it. Um, all right, let's go to. Oh, here's one. You've seen Seton Hall a ton. I've seen Wofford a good bit. I've seen Seton Hall a ton. Both teams have a guy that can give you 40. Who do you like and why? That, yeah, that's going to be fun. That, this one's going to be a lot of fun. I, I think that like the, the Wofford train is like rolling strong, but there's something about Seton Hall. I they just find a way. And don't get, yeah, and I actually thought that you could have made a really strong case, and I'm fine with Jay getting it, but I thought you could have made a really strong case for Kevin Willard being coach of the year in in the Big East. Um, I mean, they've got one guy that can just go out and just give you buckets. Now, the problem is, if Miles Powell has a, a bad night, they're going to lose. But Sandro's played pretty well. Um, I went with Seton Hall, but I know, like, Wofford's the rage, and I get it because, you know, Fletcher can really shoot. They're, they're, they're very good. They shoot it great in general. Um, but there's something about Seton Hall where they've just kind of been, they've been a tad up and down throughout the year, but like, I mean, they had some really impressive games and they very well could have beaten Villanova in that Big East tournament. No I, question. I, I like Seton Hall. I, I, so you like him to win the game? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I think it'll be fascinating. Um, yeah, Miles Powell, I, I have this. I had this written down. In wins, he shoots forty-one percent from three. In losses, twenty-eight percent from three. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, he, I, he could come out and have a, a bad night, and they're done. Yep. Like, there's a lot of there's a lot on his shoulders in terms of them winning or not winning. Yeah, and and Wofford's good defensively against the three, thirty-two percent. Um, and, and, and one of the things about Wofford is like, yeah, they played some high majors. They didn't beat any of them, but they played some high, like, it's one of the weird things that we give credit. And I, I did this on my pod last week where we talk about strength of schedule all the time and NC State didn't make it among other things, you know, for their strength of schedule. But the fact is they actually played a pretty strong schedule. It's just those bottom seven games were so bad, but like, I don't, do I think, do I want you to play good teams? Like, yeah. But I also want, would like you to beat one of them, you know. Yeah, <laughs> or at you, least, get cre- you don't get credit for just playing them tough. Yeah. Or, well, even playing them tough is, is like one thing, right? But like, 
you know, I mean, they played Kansas and they were smashed 72-47. Like, they were smashed. They played Oklahoma, who's not great this year. The, the game wasn't terribly competitive. They played Carolina and they had beaten Carolina the year before, but they played Carolina in their own joint to start the year and it was a close game for, you know, 30 minutes. And I, look, I think they have a good team, but I do, I'm, I'm with you. I do think the, the hype train has gotten a little bit out of control and we've, we've lost sight for the fact that they're, they're good. Uh, I don't, this one's a hard one. I would not go to, all right, here's one. I've seen this team a bunch because I did two of their games and uh, I did one of their games last year. And then I've seen Purdue a bunch and Purdue's an interesting team. I think Old Dominion beats them. Now, Old Dominion at times can't score. They just can't. But um, the way to beat Purdue is to attack Grady Eifert at the defensive end. You know, he's like a stretch four, great team guy. But if you look at why Minnesota beat them, what did they do? One, they limited, you know, the looks of Carson Edwards, and Carson Edwards is going to shoot no matter what. And then two, defensively, <laughs> as good as Purdue is, um, as good as Purdue is, like, their weakness is the power forward spot, and B.J. Stith's their best player, and that's who they're going to go at him with. Yeah, Doug, I'll be honest with you, I've barely seen Old Dominion. So have you, seen, have you seen Purdue? Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. I've seen Purdue. And, okay, and so I, here's my I question on, on Carson Edwards. What do you th- like? I think Carson Edwards Barkley with his body, like his 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 thighs are ridiculous, <laughs> ridiculous. But a lot of people don't love don't love him in terms of he just not he doesn't feel like even a Purdue guy. He hasn't been as efficient this year as last year. He's not shooting it near the percentage that he did last year. Um, just totally random fact. He played AAU with De'Aaron Fox. It was a pretty fun yep. backcourt. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I get it. Like, there's, um, in a weird way, I don't know if you get this comparison, but there's some Marcus Howard to him in mm-hmm. terms of, like, he can get a little shot happy. Mm-hmm. Um, Thirsty is the expression I like to use, but yes. <laughs> but there's, like, there's still, like, this thing with him where, like, if he comes out and gets hot, it's a wrap. Because if he gets rolling... I mean, he can really make shots. And then Ryan Klein next to him can shoot it. Um, I actually thought, and I, I know I've said this about a couple guys, but like I thought Matt Painter did a really good job with this team. Because if you look at this team top to bottom, it's not like top 100 dudes. No, no. Uh, the dude I like the best who, I mean, he can't shoot at all is, um, uh, what's the... Um, What's the wing who's he's like a one through four, but he can't shoot at all. No, he has no a, Joe Eastern. No Joe Eastern. He has his his free throw is Charles Barkley's golf swing, right? <laughs> no question. He's, but, he's a weird he's a he's a weird eval. For somebody who hasn't seen him explain. Like, I mean I think people have seen like he's he can cool. he can guard any position. He's big, he's strong, seems smart, but he can't shoot at all. Yeah, but he, he he can't shoot. He's a little bit positionless. Like, vertically, like, as an athlete, he's okay. Yeah. Um, he's just, like, it's, it's like, in, he's kind of like a point forward in a way. Mm-hmm. You know, like, he's, he can pass. Um, he's just versatile. Um, he, he's different. He's, he's, he's a very unique player. He always has been. Um. Did De'Aaron Fox and, and Carson Edwards, did they win a bunch of tournaments? Like, I love De'Aaron Fox. They must have won everything, right? Uh, um, I don't know if they, they were in the UIBL. They played for um, Houston Hoops. 
they had some other dudes on that team too, but Carson Edwards wasn't like he was kind of he took off late and was kind of well, I think he we had him in like the nineties. He was like a back end top one hundred player. Frank and Howard just got oh, go ahead. What were you gonna say? No, keep going. Sorry, I, I interrupted you. Keep going. Oh, I, I was just going to say, like, he was, he, you know, playing next to De'Aaron Fox, like, he didn't play with the ball in his hands because De'Aaron had it in his. So mm-hmm. it was hard to, like, he, he looked like just an undersized two guard. And, I mean, there's still some of that in him, but mm-hmm. he's way more effective with the ball in his hands than you could see when you saw him in AAU. Um, how do you think losing Frank Howard affects Syracuse? Well, I mean, I think any time, especially this late, you take somebody off the team, it matters. Um, and, I mean, the, the guy had the ball, in his, the ball in his hands quite a bit. So I definitely think it matters. Um, to, to, to Especially this late, like we're a day from the end of the tournament, it matters. It's, gonna, it's a big deal, I think. Does Baylor beat him? Um... I picked Syracuse in my bracket. I did too. I think it'll be a good game, though. I'm with you. Um, all right, uh, that's all. That's all of the Thursday games that you'll be watching in Vegas. All of them. We picked every game. I cannot wait. My, I'm I'm here with four buddies, and all all they want to do is watch games and go eat go eat steak at night, and that's like that's like the perfect world for me. I can't believe I didn't go. Like I have a kind of a hall pass. Have my wife's like, e? no. It's it's. Um, I did it a couple times when I was younger. It's just that, like like so. I was a late ad to this trip, and my buddy's got five seats at the casino. Sports. You had to buy. So we'll you had to buy them. Right there. They got them for free. Some of the places okay. you have to buy them. Like I, I've actually when I did this a couple years ago, um, my buddy got like a table at Legacy Stadium, which is in the Palazzo, I think. And it's a really cool sports book. I don't know if you've ever been there. But I, those you had to like, there was a table of eight, and there was the day was like a thousand minimum. You had to spend on food and drinks and stuff like that. But we have tomorrow, we've just got seats, and they were free. But you have to book, they booked them like eight months ago. Mm. Uh, I, do you have time to run through this Friday games, or you got to go? I need to go. They're, they're, they're okay. waiting on me. All right, all right. Let's go, um, Evan, Dan- Evan Daniels. Check him out on Twitter. Maybe we'll do this on his podcast tomorrow. Maybe we'll he'll, we'll have a drunken Evan Daniels after a day. There's all your Thursday games. Your final four is what? My final four is Kentucky, Duke, Virginia, and Texas Tech. Your and biggest, up, your biggest, your biggest upset early is what? Uh, I had Belmont the Sweet Sixteen over Maryland and, and LSU. Mm-hmm. You like Oregon too, didn't you? I liked Oregon. I think you said you liked that one as well. I did. Um, I, I mean, Oregon, like especially, I think that bracket opens up a little with Dean Wade out. You know, maybe UC Irvine wins that game. Maybe they don't. But even then, like Oregon could slide their way to the Sweet 16. I picked Arizona State um, to beat Buffalo. I don't know how big of an upset you'd think that is. Um, that was probably my biggest was uh, Belmont. Belmont and Oregon. Um, all right, dude. Listen, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you joining me. Um, let's do this. Let's plan on next year. If you go again, I'll go. Because this is the cool thing was this year, I got to be home on my son's birthday for the first time ever. 
I literally had never been home on my son's. I've never been home. That was uh, Tuesday. So I got to be home yet last night. And um, I usually miss it because I was where I was working at ESPN or I was working at CBS. And now I'm not. And it's actually I it's it's hard sometimes to watch it. But it's really cool to be home. But I, I, I got to do the Vegas thing. Van Pelt's told me I have to yeah. do the Vegas thing. Rosillo's told me I have to do the Vegas thing. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, don't get arrested. Enjoy yourself. And I appreciate you joining me. I appreciate it. See you, Doug. All right. That's Evan Daniels joining us. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.